Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It's the Oz Network, and we're back with another recap of a recap, the best of Christmas past, as we are on week two now, looking at, uh, we're calling this the Tough Guy Christmas Collection, uh, where we went through Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Santa with Muscles with Hulk Hogan, Santa's Sleigh with Bill Goldberg, and the original Die Hard with Bruce Willis, uh, the ultimate Tough Guy Christmas. And in here, you're going to hear some of our best and funniest clips, including one in Jingle All the Way, which made our all-time top 10 best of list. Uh, I think that was last year or the year before. A little something about Larry the Cable Guy in the sequel that we mentioned in there, so uh, definitely listen for that. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, you've never seen Santa with muscles, don't bother to go out of your way to do it. Just listen to us make fun of it for about 10, 15 minutes. And if you say to yourself, you've never seen Santa Slay, well, that is a movie where... The pro wrestler Bill Goldberg plays a killer Santa Claus. I would say you don't have to see it. You could listen to us just talk about it, but go out of your way to watch it if you can because that movie is spectacular. So flex your muscles, get in the Christmas spirit for a nice tough guy Christmas with Jingle All the Way, Santa with Muscles, Santa's Sleigh, and Die Hard, the best of tough guy Christmas. Hi, I'm Ben Waterworth. You might remember me from such Christmas movies as White Christmas, Santa's Sleigh, and Santa with Muscles. And my name is Colin, and Rodney King! Rodney King! <laughs> we'll get to that. Anyway, uh, the greatest scene in history of movies is about to come up. Uh, because <laughs> Phil Hartman is helping uh, Rita Wilson cook cookies... Uh, and he knows how to do it and sends her up. Says, this is, I think, really, is this like the first part where you sort of get the inkling that he's trying to make the moves on her? Um, and he's trying to eat one of the cookies. He birds himself and he yells at um, Jake Lloyd and he said, pipe down in there! <laughs> <laughs> when you said he's not that bad of a guy, that's where I was thinking about this scene. Woman <laughs> walks out of the room and suddenly, shut up, kids! <laughs> that's me. That's how I deal with children. Uh, <laughs> But then um, Arnie rings up Phil, well, rings up to speak to his wife. Uh, Ted answers the phone, Phil Harmon, and he's eating his cookies. Like, who said you can eat my cookies? Uh, and it's like, put, put, put her on the phone, put Liz on the phone. Oh, she's in the shower, shall I just go check? Like, no, you shouldn't <laughs> check. And then he takes another bite of the cookie. Oh, these cookies are so good. To which we get the greatest line in the history of movies. Put that cookie down now! <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> 
I remember when I, like, it'd probably been, like, at least, I don't know, 10 years since I'd seen this movie until about five or so years ago when I dusted it off and watched it. I could not stop watching this scene. And it got to the point where I kept showing it to my dad. He kept laughing. He'd always, every time we'd have a cookie in the house, he was like, put that cookie down now. And my brother-in-law shared this video where somebody on YouTube has made a techno remix of this. And it's like, put that cookie down, put that, put that, put that cookie down. <laughs> my nephew Link, you will say this to him and he will just crack up laughing and he will repeat it back. And there was a couple of years ago, I know Arnie like took requests from his fans on like Twitter and Instagram. And he said like, you know, oh, you let me know your favorite lines from my movies and I will do them and recreate them for you. And he's just, there is one of the ones when he's like just sitting on a plane, I think. And he literally just looks at the camera and he's like, Put that cookie down now! It's like, there you go, to fan Ben Waterworth. It wasn't me, but like, it was just so funny. If, if you're gonna say everything else in this movie is garbage, fine. I can't disagree with you. It's fun garbage, but you have your opinion on mine. This scene is great! <laughs> because it's everything. It's him, uh, helping her with the cookies. It's him saying, you really need to take a shower and getting all like, you know, she's gonna be hashtagging me too, this guy, you know, on Twitter the next day. But, but um, when she walks away and then Phil Hartman's all of a sudden, shut up, kids! As soon as she's out of the room, he turns to the world's worst babysitter dad. Uh, and then when he's on the phone, he's, he's grabbing the cookies and he burns his hand and again, he's freaking out. You kind of see that there's a dark side to this guy when he's not like putting on a show. But on the phone with Schwartz, he goes, why are you eating my wife's cookies? Those are <laughs> And then he's like, well, your wife's upstairs taking a shower. <laughs> the the She's upstairs taking a shower. Hey, you want me to go get her for you? And he's like, no, you don't put my wife in the shower. Guys <laughs> are just perfect in this scene. And, like, I could watch these two guys all day, just the the... the, the, the the dynamic they have together, it's just it brings a different level. Like you said, half the time you're like, Phil Hartman is kind of being a nice guy. Then other times when he's intentionally going out of his way to be like, hey, I'm going to sleep with your wife, man. He's like, put your dick away from my wife. <laughs> An underrated never use out of Schwarzenegger line. Put your dick away from my wife. <laughs> Get your hands off her nipples. Those are my nipples. <laughs> I put my hands on the nipples every Christmas, just like the star. Keep your hands off the star and the nipples. <laughs> um, anyway, Fritzy. <laughs> uh, Ted gets a bit rapey here. Uh, can't hide our feelings anymore. I oh, felt for yeah. you as you were mixing Italian dressing or something like that. And- <laughs> Do you know how many women would want to be in your position right now? And Reed Wilson's all like, lucky me. Um, I wonder if Tom Hanks watches this one and just wanted to punch Phil Hartman. I don't know. Uh, Tom Hanks doesn't want to the punch same, anyone. Tom, Tom Hanks is too nice. The same year he wrote his wife trying to get in the pants of a man half her age. <laughs> he wrote in his own movie. Tom Hanks has some dark secrets. Uh, he has a fetish for his wife getting it on with other men. <laughs> It's like Tom Cruise that we discovered, like, with uh, Katie Holmes. What was it like? Oh, Katie, you know your friend? Can I have her in my movie to have sex with her? Uh, imagine Tom Cruise in this movie. He'd be running a lot more. <laughs> yeah, that running scene would have been done in half the time. Oh, God. Um, 
Arnie uh, is uh, trying to rush to get to the parade, runs into the cop again. <laughs> um, he sees uh, his wife and uh, Ted getting a little bit close in the car. This is never addressed. Can we just point this out? That at no point is this ever raised later on. Like, Arnie's like, what are you doing with Ted? I saw him put this down the tree and I saw him rubbing you in the car. <laughs> Why were you like- petting him outside? I don't understand. <laughs> did, did, did Ted see you in the shower? He's very forgiving. Yeah, like from his perspective, from his perspective, this day has gone. He left the house. Ted came over, watched his wife shower. His kid admitted that his wife was petting the, the the neighbor outside, and now he sees them getting mighty close in a car. They should be having a serious conversation instead of just Jimmy. <laughs> Can they re-edit this movie so the scene when he like he comes home and sees him putting the the tree on the star? Uh, the star on the tree, and then, like, when he's in the car, like, just re-edit it, like, with six-day scenes, so, like, it's just, it's a carbon copy of him. Like, you know that scene when he comes home with Simpal Cindy, and he sees yeah. himself in the moon? <laughs> I'm Simpal Cindy! Oh, I remember her. Oh, uh, can you imagine if the six-day had him coming home, and it was Phil Hartman in there instead of himself? <laughs> They're all connected, these movies. So, this guy like... steals all my wives, what's with him? Star Wars Episode 1, the, the scene between Shmi and Qui-Gon, when it's like, who was his father? There was no father. And then it kind of like fades, like, and it goes back and we see like Arnie having a fight with Rita. You, you slept with someone else. I'm going away. No, what I want is I want somebody to re-edit Phantom Menace. Who is his father? And then you cut to a thought bubble coming out of Shmi's head. And it's like Phil Hartman's like, oh, these cookies are so good. Um, there was no father. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and the reason why Anakin builds C-3PO is because he never got Turbo Man. He wanted yes. an action figure. There we go. Like, we're establishing finish how this is this well, the reason he doesn't finish him is because this was supposed to be Turbo Man. So yes. when he's later on, it's like, oh, you got your coverings. It's like, oh, where's your jetpack and the red helmet? I had it all the plans. Why do you sound like a gay British man? Oh, I say, Master Anakin. That's not what you're meant to sound like. Say it's Turbo Time. It's when turbo don't you know time, how to follow the robotics, uh, robotics description here? Come on. <laughs> I have to it doesn't look anything like Booster. <laughs> And that's why he wanted to be Darth Vader, because it slightly resembles Dementor. <laughs> <laughs> and he kills younglings because they remind him of the present son. I killed all of them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> Uh, one funny thing that happens at the parade is you have these these two kids who are watching it, and it, just like uh, the montage with all the toy um, uh, the toy stores earlier on, you're seeing real stuff here. I mean, they they've got Sonic, like I said, Sonic the Hedgehog is there, and uh, everything else is big at the time, like Power Rangers or uh, Ninja Turtle, Star Wars, whatever, and. <laughs> the point where the cat in the hat walks up, the two <laughs> kids look at each other and they high-five each other. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Cat in the Hat movie got made, like, yeah, uh, exactly. years later. <laughs> There's a studio executive somewhere thinking this is real, like, I guess Cat in the Hat's really popular among kids. <laughs> 
I can't imagine any kids anywhere in the world. Like, if you're at your parade, like, well, let, let me let me take Casper there, right? Um, <laughs> well, he's a little bit too young. He, he would want to see Cat in the Hat or Peppa Pig or something like that. But um, let's imagine yourself as a kid, and you've got like you know uh, a Velociraptor, and you've got Darth Vader, <laughs> and uh, anything else, uh, Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles, and all that stuff. Then the cat in the hat comes up, and you're like, "Cat that! Yeah!" And you start freaking out, like you're the world's lamest kid. And uh, that's why he was cast as Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> that's the he real reason. Cat in the hat. No, Fuck. He's Darth Vader. It's like that scene in the Home Alone, like, like in Home Alone, where he's talking about having the bird, big bird on his sweater. It's like, not for kid in the third grade. You could get beat up for wearing something like that. You should get beat up for high fiving to the cat in the freaking hat. Like, come on, that's not even a cool Doctor Seuss. If it's the Grinch, maybe uh, <laughs> Lorax, something. The cat in the hat. So this movie wasn't exactly well received. Uh- <laughs> I will say quickly, there was a sequel uh, called Jingle All The Way 2 with everybody other's favourite person who has also been accused uh, several times of sexual assault or whatever it was, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Um, wasn't it, did, he, did he not just masturbate in front of people? Isn't that what he did? Which is still sexual assault, I guess. I don't know. I never I was, heard that. <laughs> was it Larry the Cable Guy who did that? Or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just love it. What is this? People out there, because this is the world we live in. Somebody sees like some story on the internet. They're like, "Well, that's got to be true." This is going to explode now. Larry the Cable Guy is probably like the, the Phil Hartman in real life. Like he's such a good dad, and now we have just put it out there. Didn't Phil Hartman like molest a bunch? Or sir, didn't Larry the Cable Guy molest a bunch of women? Oh no, it wasn't <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy. Hang on, <laughs> we're so glad we could clear this up. And Larry the Cable Guy is not a race rapist, people. <laughs> Um, no, it was somebody famous. They got, like, caught doing that, and then they, like, the whole career went to shit. Um... Oh, sorry, masturbating. Yeah. He wasn't a rapist. He no. just masturbated in front of people. Well, it's still Thanks, bad. Larry the Cable. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find who it was, and when you Google it, it comes... Oh, it was, it was um, Louis, Louis C.K., or whatever his name is. Oh, not, not even remotely close. Sorry, Larry the Cable Guy. I'm sorry to... <laughs> just... Please, I'm begging you, Ben, when you put this episode up on Twitter, please add hashtag hands off Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> Let's just see if it catches on. Um, I loved you in Cars. Your voice work with Mater is fantastic. That's the only thing I know you from. Um, so, apologies. But let's be honest, by the time we release this, probably something is going to come out against him anyway. So, like, it could be like the Roger Moore thing. Who knows? Anyway, go watch the sequel. Whoa. Larry the Cable Guy was masturbating in front of a bunch of kids in a ball pit <laughs> in Mall of America. We were like, we called it! <laughs> well, come on, it's just like us calling Tom Cruise gay. Like, we're going to get some ratings somehow by getting sued, so... <laughs> hey, Larry, if you hear this and you want to sue us, can you also pass it on to Tom Cruise that we called him gay a bunch of times so he can sue us too? Because he'll probably get more publicity for us because he's a little bit more famous than you are. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> putting it out there. <laughs> Didn't he masturbate in front of a bunch of people? This is on our best of show. Find the time to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think Larry the Cable Guy and Tom Cruise just went around to people's houses, whipped it out, and just started going to town in front of people. I want to 
imagine Larry the Cable Guy listening to this episode? Because that's what he does with his time now. <laughs> and it's just that he got in a lot of trouble for masturbating for a bunch of people. <laughs> he stops it right there. We get a cease and desist letter in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> You and I are going to be in jail in, like, three years' time. <laughs> Next, like, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. Like, what did you do? Oh, accuse people of sexual assault? Oh. It's Larry the Cable Guy of being a sexual predator. <laughs> but we got famous from it. Our podcast got huge ratings. <laughs> I was mentioned on Stephen Colbert. I'm famous. Woo. <laughs> And I'm sharing a shell with uh, Kevin Spacey. How you doing, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> so they had a sequel, huh? It was. It's called Jiggle All the Way too. Start that sexual predator like the cable guy. <laughs> cable guy. Cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, apparently it was bad, so, um... <laughs> just of like course it was. Was a pervert like that, star. <laughs> We're so sorry. Let's just start by saying that. We're so sorry. My name is Colin, and hey, turkey breath, do you know how fast you were going? And my name is Ben, and am I a sheep? Am I a bunny? <laughs> and I want to formally apologise to our listeners that this movie is on our list. All right, my, I just, I, I'm sorry. I wish I could turn back time and stop my ever mentioning this movie exists. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not the Shit. room. I go. We did a bad movie month, and I'm now regretting our choices. <laughs> much better. I I remember this as a kid. This is yeah, like one of those lunchtime movies. Problem. You have seen this before. <laughs> but like I was nine and stuff. Like <laughs> I used to think stupid things like Dine of the Day was a good movie and stuff. But like I I just remember this as being one of those ones that like was on TV and you're like, oh ha ha ha, it's funny. But I was nine, I was dumb. Like, don't listen to nine-year-old Ben. 31-year-old Ben's dumb enough as it is. Imagine what nine-year-old Ben's like, all right? Half your fault, you shouldn't listen to me. Oh, I watched this as a kid, I thought it was good. <laughs> Not good, uh, shit! <laughs> I don't have a history with this movie. <laughs> good, my, my his- I'm jealous! We should probably get into the movie here, so oh, Santa, Santa with muscles. We're gonna power through this one. Let me just say before we start here, Ben said to me, Mallory was supposed to join us on this episode, but uh, you know she has to go wait for our furniture to arrive at home. <laughs> Convenient excuse. I said Jamie was supposed to join us, but she thought this movie was really stupid. Uh, just to add to that, when I was watching this. Uh, Jamie, she usually asks me when I'm getting ready to record, like, okay, how long are you going to be? Just so she knows, like, you know, how long do I have to try to keep Casper quiet for? Or, uh, you know, how long before I can, I don't know, run the dishwasher or whatever's going to make too much noise. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, probably about an hour and a half. And then she's like, what? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, we always record for an hour and a half. It's like, how are you going to get an hour and a half out of this movie? 
I'm not talking let's, for an hour and a half on this movie. I'm out after an hour. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can challenge this here. Cover half the movie in one. I, I'm putting break. it right now. We've ta- we've taken 11 minutes so far, Colin Hill. <laughs> we are going to do this episode in under 60 minutes. All right, we have 49 minutes, 48 minutes right now from here to recap this movie. Challenge accepted. Get on with it. I'm going to give you warnings every 10 minutes. Go. <laughs> Deputy Clint Howard, what's he doing in this movie? Starts chasing them after he's playing with his radar gun, going woo woo woo, <laughs> eh, woo, woo, woo eh. <laughs> and then later you see in the movie a lineup going up the escalator of all adults <laughs> chanting Santa, Santa. Why is it all adults? I don't know. <laughs> And I just want to say, this elf, literally the most annoying character in this movie above the children who are a special level of annoying. This guy goes on around talking about how he's got the money. I got the money! And it's just like giggling. And he's like, American Express! And it just goes on for like 10 minutes straight. I'm like, just shut up, please! They can't start Christmas without me. And you have the entire room full of people going, ah, <laughs> and slapping their knees. <laughs> and it goes on forever. When Hulk Hogan forgets to put on the costume, walks out wearing a robe that looks nothing like Santa's outfit, no hat, no beard, blonde hair. And the little girl immediately looks at him and goes, good morning, Santa. Why is she recognizing him as Santa? And why does it take her a minute and a half to suddenly be like, wait, what's different about you, Santa? This girl really is the dumbest character in this movie. Uh, And she's going to be singing later. This is just getting worse. So the elf sees that Hulk Hogan's face is on the cereal box because apparently, uh, what's his character's name? Something Thorn? Blake. Blake Thorn. Blake Thorn. Uh, cereal box man, and he has to cover the cereal box as if the cartoon character on the cereal box is gonna tip them off. It's him! And Ed Bagley Jr.'s character is on some type of TV webcam. I love that the TV is not plugged in, has no camera mounted to it, but Ed Bagley Jr. can communicate to him. And this is officially when Jamie, who is out of the room at this point, was like, what is this? And I'm like, some stupid kid singing. I don't know. I didn't even know how to explain it. Uh, There's a fight scene or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stop right before we get to them storming uh, Fort Bagley Jr. here. Uh, But basically, he's going to go and try and... Even the score, I don't know. There's a henchman fight and the, the, the kid's singing. It's all awful. <laughs> just, just get this over with. <laughs> wow. Um, we're going to get through this. I, I'm proud of us. Um, <laughs> can we point out one thing that is mainly very important here? This is the film debut of Mila Kunis. Uh- <laughs> yes! <laughs> I saw that like a name come up in the credits, and I'm like, "What?" And then it's like, <laughs> there she is. <laughs> shut up, Meg. Uh, that's why. That's why they tell her to shut up all the time in Family Guy because she was in this stupid movie. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, the the whole orphanage thing, like, were orphanages a thing still in the 90s? <laughs> like, like well, Mel I and I are looking now. There are still orphans in the world. No, I'm saying they're not orphans, but do they really have a house where it's just like people come along and go, oh, I want that kid. It's not a freaking cat's shelter. <laughs> like, <laughs> the first thing Mallory said when she saw this orphanage is like, why are there only three kids at this orphanage? <laughs> and then it's like really like half-heartedly explained where you've got a little annoying kid with his headphones. Like, oh, where's the leftovers? Like, boo-hoo. Like, why do we care? Like, we're meant to care. But it's all like, oh, don't close down the orphanage. Like, with three kids? Like, I'm sure they'll be shipped off pretty quickly. And then even at the beginning of the movie. Can I point out, too, that, like, an orphanage is going to be run on government dollars. They have, like, more people on staff at this orphanage than they do children. They are paying full-time salaries. And the heating bill and the electric (laughs) bill for a giant house like that, send these kids to a foster home. Like, save some money. There's like, a, there's parents out there who take more than three kids as foster parents. Like, why can't yes. they have more? And like, at the very beginning of this movie, the little shit blonde kid, the singing, whatever her name is, she says in that letter, like, please say to help me. I don't want to be taken away from this be my last Christmas with my friends. You're at an orphanage, girl. You will be adopted. What if somebody from like Australia adopted you? You're going to move to Australia and make new friends. Like... You're not going to be with them forever. Hulk Hogan is an example of that. Him and Ed Begley Jr. used to be friends at the orphanage in the stupid plot <laughs> twist that comes five minutes from the end that's got no reason for being there. <laughs> so, like, shut up! <laughs> Hulk Hogan falls out of a window into a garbage truck. So what happens? Naturally, he wakes up at home because the only person in this town that recognizes the most famous man and richest man in town is the garbage man. (laughs) Nobody at the orphanage where he actually lived recognizes him. None of the police actually will be like, hey, this is, you know, the the protein king of California. Nobody in the mall. None of these kids are like, we eat your cereal every day. We eat your vitamins. But the garbage man's like, this is a famous guy, let me take him home. But not clean the banana peel off of him, because when he wakes up in the morning, he's peeling banana peels off of him. I looked out the writers for you. Okay, just quickly. Jonathan Bond, Fred Matter, and Dory Crum Raymond. Now, if they're not household names, uh, it's because they wrote this movie. Their only writing credits are Santa with Muscles. Uh, all three of them have not written anything else except for Santa this with Muscles. This effectively sent three men to the unemployment line for life. During the car chase, here's the most idiotic thing in the movie. How does Hulk Hogan get away? Well, he's got a couple of bottles of his salad dressing from his company, from the Blake Thorne uh, nutrition line, that he dumps on the road. Two bottles of salad dressing, floods the street, and sends police cars flipping off the road. Now, I don't know how it works, but I'm pretty sure... I don't know, 400 milliliters of locale vinaigrette is not going to do that. Also, when he dumps a thing of protein powder and it creates a dust cloud (laughs) the size of a sandstorm 
And the greatest thing that happens is that when Clint Howard eventually emerges from all this, his entire car is rusted, burned out, and dilapidated from two bottles of vinaigrette dressing and a bottle of protein powder. That's the power of Blake Thorne's protein line. Maybe they're really are um, terrorists. And they're like, they are, yes! Chemical weapons. <laughs> I'm in pursuit of uh, a, a jeep uh, of terrorists armed with protein powder and vinaigrettes. <laughs> This is what you're doing wrong, ISIS. All right, stop with all this, like, you know, running people over and stabbing people and stuff. Just use salad dressing and protein powder. There you go. Create an international incident that way. I have to point out that the, maybe the worst part of this whole movie is when we have this standoff between the cops and Hulk Hogan. And for whatever reason, and whatever town, and whatever city we are in, the county police force has a rocket launcher to try and stop a man who has just sped past them and shot paintballs at them, to which he then fires a rocket launcher... It blows up his fellow officer, Clint Howard, to which Clint Howard saw who shot it at him and then still has the audacity at the end to say, who did that? To which we have bumbling buffoons with a rock. Oh, it was him. Oh, it was him. Oh, that goes on for about another 37 minutes. And then we're going to get later on Clint Howard showing up in a blown up car with windscreen wipers still moving. It's so stupid. Um, you mentioned, like, the really bad laugh track, like, every now and then where they replay the same laughing sound ten times in a row to make you think there's more than one person laughing. Can we imagine the score has the most annoying trumpet going... (laughs) Sounds like Woody the Woodpecker on crack. It's so annoying. Roadrunner, isn't it? (laughs) One of them. It's a bird in a cartoon. Who cares? It sounds like one of them. Uh... And, like, one thing I have to have noted down here that Mallory said during the fight sequence between the, the, the iconic fight sequence between Ed Pigley Jr. and Hulk Hogan <laughs> with their crystals, she turns around to me and says, oh, it's like a lightsaber fight. And I'm like, uh, not really. And she's like, oh, it's even making the same sounds. And I'm like, oh, you really need to watch Star Wars with me. <laughs> You know your girlfriend needs to watch Star Wars when she reckons that Santa with muscles is recreating <laughs> Star Wars. And speaking of Star Wars, considering we've got eight minutes left and we're nearly in 2019, it's coarse, it's rough, it's irritating, and it gets everywhere. All right, there we go. Because. Uh, <laughs> it about this movie, really. Um... The one thing I'll add, which again does not make any sense at the end, like, you're absolutely right, like, oh, you destroyed our orphanage, oh, oh well, but we can come live with you. They're not even at Blake's house, they're at Ed Begley Jr.'s house. For some reason, they've gotten possession of his house a day after he's been sent to jail, and then for some reason, they're all in prison, working in stripy uniforms next door to their house in binocular view, and the electro woman is in the skimpiest little skirt I have ever seen as a prisoner with men. All right? Now, like, we know what happens in prison with men and men. This woman has got no chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, shit, bin it. Right. All right. <laughs> 
what are we going to do? I'm not going to bother with any of I don't know if we have any other segments, but I don't have the heart to do it. <laughs> what are you going to do with this? This is a clear bin. Can we create something new? Can we just say this is a flush? <laughs> with the, there's a dirty dancing in uh, Santa with muscles category. Um, yes. just... <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to talking about this one. My name is Ben, and I wouldn't say no to Bush, but I prefer cock. And my name is Dixie Rect. I mean, <laughs> Tess Tickler. I mean, Colin. <laughs> I often always get you confused with those um, those <laughs> names. Um, wow, we are actually doing this movie. This is... Uh, <laughs> we said at the end of last week that, you know, how we sort of came about doing this movie. And Colin's like, watch the trailer, watch the trailer. So I watched the trailer and I'm like, oh, this looks pretty awesome. <laughs> like, I can't wait to do this movie. <laughs> And uh, unlike some movies that we've seen in 2018, um, let's just put it out there, The Meg, um, the trailer kind of actually lived up to everything that we expected and more. (laughs) This movie is maybe one of the most random movies I've ever seen, but I really enjoyed this movie. I don't know what that makes about me. Um, This movie is kind of cool. Colin, um... That's our history. I mean, we don't really have history with this movie, too, except we've just watched this for the first time. Basically, everything that happens in the trailer is this opening section of the movie. (laughs) This is all it really is, because we have all our big stars sitting around the Christmas dinner table, uh, including the one, the only, Fran Drescher. Uh, (laughs) We've talked about her enough that finally we get to cover her in an episode. We have Chris Kattard, a favourite of mine. Uh, For all our Nip Tuck fans out there, the woman with the curly hair, played by Rebecca Gayhart, she of course, was Natasha in uh, Nip Tuck for a couple of episodes. Um, and who else have we got at this table? Um, uh, Academy Award nominee James Kahn. <laughs> yes, thank you. I was trying to remember his name there. Uh, so basically, the who's who of everyone in this movie is about to get absolutely slaughtered in the space of like five minutes. Um, we've got everybody complaining about this Christmas turkey. Um, we've got Fran Drescher, who's horny for Chris Kattan. Um, then some woman's praying that for not making them poor or Samoan. Um, <laughs> like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then out of nowhere, we have Santa come down the chimney, except it's Bill Goldberg Santa, son of Satan, who makes his uh, presence known by kicking a poodle. We have... <laughs> Fran Dresser going, Santa! Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's deliberately done, that they've got out of their way to get Fran Dresser to make, I guess, nothing more than a cameo, um, <laughs> to give her most annoying laugh. And then Bill Goldberg promptly goes about killing every single one of these people by stabbing knives in the table and forcing their head down on a turkey leg. Uh, by burning Fran Drescher's head. <laughs> Killing people with a Christmas star. Uh, and then that's the beginning of the movie before we kind of get our animated opening credits with sort of pictures of storybooks and a language. At first I'm thinking, am I going blind or is that not in English? Um, so, I mean, straight away we're like, oh my God, what the hell are we watching? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Let's just say it. <laughs> it's so good. 
<laughs> this is just where there's just so much random stuff. He's invented a record player that you can wear as a backpack with headphones. Clearly, the iPod hasn't reached Hell Township, Manitoba. Um, they go walking up the stairs. You hear a cracking sound. You think it's the ch- uh, the stairs. You realize he's farted in his face. Um, and he's also got a nutcracker thing that shoots a bullet or something, drops a line about saying like, oh, that's as bad idea as brown colored toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then randomly we cut back to Goldberg killing a mugger. Um, he's randomly standing there ringing his bell for the Salvation Army. And then some little girl walks out and he's like, Santa! Does an angel get its wings or something like that? Santa's trying to dispose of a body on the street. Um, and I might just sort of go up here to when we've got Grandpa back with Nick, starting to tell him a little bit of a story from this Book of Claws. We find out they've got Norwegian heritage, that there was an um, only two immaculate conceptions in the history of the world, God and Satan, and that Santa is Satan's son. Yep, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. Don't leave out that Santa is the son of Satan and Erica. Yeah. <laughs> Who is Erica? Uh, <laughs> who is she? <laughs> Even better is uh, during the chase scene when um, uh, Santa is running this old lady or trying to run this uh, old lady, this grandma, off the road. And she turns around in her, her car and just goes, suck it! <laughs> It's just, again, so random, but it's just everything. And you have no reason for Santa doing any of what he's doing right now. And even, like, we're getting half explained in this book that he might be the son of Satan or something like that. Um, And Erica. And Erica, his mother, renowned evil person. Uh, When you think of evil people in the world, you know, you think of Satan and Hitler and Erica. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and we find out about five minutes later so so he can go to a strip club and shove them down um people's underwear see colin this is a strip club where people go to (laughs) where women or men depending on the strip club take off their clothes for money uh just in case you were wondering uh shows up uh, they've got valet parking at this strip club where it involves trying to park this bison sleigh thing, which eventually he's going to eat the valet. <laughs> Goldberg kills his guard with a Christmas wreath. Walks inside to the strip club where we see the priest getting all, uh, you know, into it. And then this is where... Goldberg from the trailer, ho, 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 gets <laughs> this woman over to kiss her. Uh, then he kind of looks up and we realise there's mistletoe. The stripper doesn't even really seem to mind at this point. But then we get a massive bar fight, which just involves Goldberg killing every single person in this bar that is trying to attack him, including the random bit where he gets the stripper pole, but he's a bit, you know, he, he likes him clean, so he cleans the stripper pole. Before throwing it at a guy and electrocuting him, uh, and throws a weird fireball to burn the whole place down, walks outside, and that's when we see the bison eating the valet. Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't feel like we just need to talk about this scene separately. It's just so randomly stupid, but it's hilarious <laughs> at the same time. Again, it's it's on the, the same page as The Room, where it's so dumb, but it's great. It's not just that it's like, oh, he ate the valet. You see the reindeer chewing on something, and Goldberg pulls it out, and you realize it's the valet's hat. <laughs> <laughs> so such a great reveal. And then that moment you mentioned with the stripper pole, that was so good, because... He goes in there, he's killing everybody, he's fondling strippers, he's doing everything you could imagine, and then he pulls the pole out and pulls out a bottle of Lysol. (laughs) 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 Disinfect sprays the stripper pole, wipes it down, while actually making a disgusted face and going like, (laughs) ew. It's just fantastic. Um, then Santa says, no, at the North Pole, that's where all the time zones intersect. So Christmas ends wherever I want. Is it Emily Durabin's like, oh, who knew that he was so smart or something yeah, like that? Her line, her line after goes, uh, the, the North Pole is where all time zones converge. And then she's like, he's scary yet educational. <laughs> <laughs> she's so good in this movie. I, I want to go yes. back to every episode we've bagged out Emily DeRavin as a bad actor. I think Noah and I even started up this joke about the Emily DeRavin school of acting. Uh, <laughs> just go and learn how not to act. Um, this should be a school. She's great in this movie. She's got great comedic timing as well. She's like Chris Hemsworth, like this Australian actor who actually can do well at comedy and not the serious stuff. Is that all Australians? <laughs> like you can't take anything seriously, but if you got if you gotta be a comedic genius like yourself or Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> well Hugh Jackman's funny. Um <laughs> Eric Banner's started off as a comedian. Russell Crowe. <laughs> there you go! Eric Banner <laughs> Russell Crowe's from New Zealand, so you know there's that. <laughs> um Hugo Weaving was funny in Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Heath Ledger was funny once. Uh, Kate Blanchett? Sure. Uh, <laughs> Tony Collette's funny. Uh, God, the list goes Crocodile on. Crocodile Hunter? Yeah. Steve Irwin. Look at all the hilarity that comes out of Australia. Oh. Bananas in pajamas? <laughs> Simon <laughs> Sam? Oh, wait, no, you don't get that one. Uh, <laughs> the Campbell sisters? Oh, wait, they're just funny because they suck. Um, and then this is where we get this claymation backstory of what, what the reason why Santa is like this. So, essentially, Santa, the son of Satan and a angel guy basically had a bet a thousand years ago in curling. Uh, <laughs> all satanic bets should be based on curling. <laughs> that whoever gets the curling stone closest to a hole in ice without it falling in wins the bet. And if Santa wins, this angel is damnationed in hell for all eternity. But if the angel wins, then Santa has to turn Christmas into a day for giving and joy and not kill any people for a thousand years. Why he doesn't say forever and only makes it a thousand years, I don't know. 
And then through all of this, we find out that a thousand years ends today, and that this is why uh, that Santa is here killing every single person. Uh, so, <laughs> what movie has curling as the, the, the bet? To, I mean, you know, this is just, this is such a Canadian movie. This is Canadian. Yeah. It is so Canadian. This is one of the other reasons where I think, you know, even if we saw an American flag, I mean, A, you have a Flin Flon jersey, and B, you have curling not only coming up here, but coming up later in the movie as well. I mean, like you said, this is the most Canadian uh, Christmas movie I think I've ever seen. Now, we have um, some random, <laughs> a random scene here of kids getting Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> they walk down there and like, can't wait to see what shit we got. Fucking knows, can we open this? To which they open up two presents and it blows up their heads. Get <laughs> and the parents are just dare- sitting there staring at their kids and the grandmother's just like, fuck. <laughs> yes, violence against children, finally. <laughs> just get their heads blown off for whatever reason it's so funny (laughs) poodles are getting kicked kids are getting their heads blown off this movie's the best movie ever (laughs) old ladies are telling Santa to suck it (laughs) people wear flin flon merchandise it doesn't get any better Human humanity bets based on curling. Yes, <laughs> Winnipeg and Fran Drescher being burned alive. <laughs> it's the Christmas we all grew up wanting. <laughs> I'm just going to keep topping myself here. Now, this would be my number one Nicholas one-liner of the movie here. So when uh, they're uh, trying to come up with their plan and they finally found Grandpa and everything and Grandpa's like get me the Tenactin and he goes oh genius we'll use some tough acting Tenactin what are the odds of calming Son and Santa down when we can cure him of his athlete's foot <laughs> this, is a, this is a really well written movie <laughs> We're not joking. <laughs> and Grandpa got run off by a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, here's another tagline that could have used the tagline of the movie. Just go, Bill Goldberg's like, I'm just trying to spread a little Yuletide fear. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your daddy? Father Christmas. <laughs> and his friends, Santa Claus is not just the son of the devil that goes around killing people. He can breathe fireballs. <laughs> Santa's freaking Godzilla. <laughs> He's got more powers than Godzilla from the other week. <laughs> <laughs> Roland Emmerich to do Godzilla 2 with Bill Goldberg as Godzilla in a giant rubber suit. <laughs> it's the baby left over in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> My name is Ben, and no fucking shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza?
And my name is Colin, and Sprecancy Talk. <laughs> what a movie, Colin. How has it taken oh. us so long to, to get to Die oh. Hard? <laughs> uh, um, can I just first say, that this is in all honesty, like in the last few seconds when you said, how did it take us this long to get to Die Hard? You know how people describe that feeling where they get like, you know, butterflies in their their stomach, like if they like it love at first sight. Like when you said that, I genuinely felt joy, like <laughs> the butterflies in my heart. Like I'm so happy right now. I'm almost ready to break down in tears. Like this is my one of my childhood favorite movies. This, as I teased it in the last episode, this was my first VHS. This is uh, this is the ultimate for me. One of the one of the reasons I wanted to do the Oz Network in the first place, just to get to Die Hard. It's taken us nearly six hundred episodes, but finally we've made Colin cry. Um, <laughs> we thought it would happen during Titanic and every uh, subsequent mention of Titanic, but no, it's Die Hard. Get he- Holly ringing up about the kids, checking on them. We have meet Paulina. Who's their housemate? For some reason, Mallory turned to me and, like, when this scene was on, I was like, that's racist. And I'm like, what? What's racist? And, like, she's Mexican. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, it's racist. And I'm like, why? Because she's working? <laughs> and <laughs> Mexicans shouldn't work? Like, she never actually explained to me. <laughs> She never actually explained to me why she thought it was racist. So... I don't know. Like the stereotype of a housekeeper? Maybe. That's racist? Again, it was the 80s. That wasn't a thing left then. Like, people got away with shit in the 80s. (laughs) We see Gruber for the first time, Alan Rickman, who Mallory actually turned to me and said, he's actually not bad looking in this movie. Because I had to explain, like, that's Snape from Harry Potter, right? She's like, oh, oh, he's actually not that bad looking. Do you know what's so weird? Uh, Just not to interrupt, but... I'll forget this if I don't mention it. Go for it. Jamie made sure that I mentioned this. I had no idea how much women love Alan Rickman. (laughs) Wow. Like, for years. Wow. Like, I remember when Sense and Sensibility came out and kind of just having an idea of what Jane Austen was supposed to be. Like, it's it's sort of, not going to say porn for women, but this is, uh, Jane Austen is really like... Poor this women. is what women's it, it kind of is. It's it's Victorian porn, you know? It's this is the ideal situation or the the, the ideal men that uh, women want in, in that era or whatever. And I remember like Hugh Grant was in that movie and Hugh Grant was very popular at the time and then Alan Rickman was in it. And I remember thinking like, well, which sister drew the short straw where they ended up with Alan Rickman? You know, Hugh Grant and Alan Rickman. <laughs> Only to realize that, as Jamie tells me and many other women have said, Alan Rickman is the guy that most women really want. And that not just in, like, Die Hard, but, like, Sense and Sensibility, and even up when he was in his 60s, like, Alan Rickman was, like, a huge sex symbol. And I, it's not something I really get, yeah. but, like, it, it just – it shocked me when I found out that, like, Alan Rickman – like, women adore Alan Rickman. Well, see, I had a friend who – she was, like, really into Harry Potter and loved the novels – and she had a huge, like, crush on Snape. Um, and I was like, really? Like, you've seen the movies, right? And she's like, no, 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 not movie Snape, like, book Snape. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, a, a, a word on a page looks really yummy. <laughs> yeah, mm, just thinking of him. Uh, it's it's kind of like, <laughs> like, if I read the Bible, right, like, Jesus is the same guy, 
like in I mean he's been portrayed by plenty of people in movies but like you know how there's like an image of Jesus like that's what he looks like Mm-mm. like I don't know where I'm going with this but like <laughs> <laughs> no I get it it's like you know what uh, oh I really have a thing for Jesus you mean Christian Bale Jesus Jim Caviezel Jesus Max von Sydow Jesus no Bible Jesus the <laughs> the J, the E, the S, the U, and then the other S, just to be bad. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I mean, look, Alan Rickman, you know, like clearly in love, actually, his uh, assistant or whoever yeah. she was wanted him, you know, couldn't keep Emma Thompson, but who can? Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I like Emma Thompson. I have nothing against Emma Thompson. Um, moving on. Uh, Schwarzenegger and Alan <laughs> got the best of the world. <laughs> she and Rowan Atkinson in Johnny. She gets around Emma Thompson, um, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black Three. Uh, <laughs> last week, last week is let's throw Larry the Cable Guy into the bus. Now it's Emma Thompson gets around. <laughs> I meant in Ubers. She likes to travel a lot. Colin Hilding, goodness me, <laughs> disgust me with your implications. I just, I just love everything Ellis does in this movie. Um, he reminds me of Al Borlan. Like, look. Is it wise. the beard? Yeah, like the the well, look yeah, of mean, him. Like, okay, personality, no. <laughs> Secretly, Al was out the back of Tool Time, sniffing coke, <laughs> trying to crack on the Jill every five minutes. <laughs> Tim, frequency talk. <laughs> Come on, I make million dollar meals like this over breakfast, Tim. <laughs> Tim, booby. <laughs> I don't think so, John McLean. <laughs> Woo! I don't think John's so, booby. <laughs> oh my god. We gotta do a mashup of these guys. But like, um, you see the, you see the hey, appearance. Wait. Like, they're very similar looking people. Both have dark hair and a beard. I mean, Al Borla's about 50 pounds heavier. It's racist, Ben. Where's <laughs> flannel? I think Ellis is supposed to be like the sleazy, you know, uh, coked up, um, Womanizing. This is everything Al Borland is. Come on, Al Borland's a womanizer. You know, him and Heidi. Not even Pamela Apparently. <laughs> well, maybe you got something there. Uh, but you cannot have drawn a parallel between two characters that are such polar opposites, any more so than if you had said, you know who the snake guy kind of reminds me of? Jesus Christ. <laughs> again, you know, Ben just being racist hot. again, just because two white people have a beard, they must be the same person. Snake and Jesus, both hot in book form, you know? <laughs> Well, have you read the Home Improvement novelization? I'll tell you what, is that Al Borland? Oh, you think Fifty Shades of Grey gets you moist? Whoa. Alison <laughs> Al Borland, long lost brothers, please. <laughs> In the movie here, the idea of just saying, no, they're not terrorists, they're thieves. Like, that's, again, such an 80s thing. Like, even the terrorists were just capitalists. They just wanted money. Wasn't it a great time to be alive, the 80s? Oh, God, the 80s. Oh, don't you miss it. Innocent sex in the office, cocaine. Not always confused (laughs) as a terrorist just because, you know, you wanted some money. Oh, good old days. Pregnant women getting loaded at Christmas parties. Oh, you know, cops getting a bunch of Twinkies and Ding Dongs and, 
you know, <laughs> subtle stereotypes about their weight. Um, oh, when it was okay to have a, a racist stereotype of an immigrant Hispanic <laughs> housekeeper. What a uh, time to be alive. Domestic violence could be joked about and just <laughs> laughed off. Oh. oh, the 80s. Remember the good old days. So good. And then the elevator comes down. We've got Fabio, the guard, like with his hair. Oh, the 80s, <laughs> long-haired men that didn't have to put them in man buns. Oh, those were the days. Um, does all the henchmen look like Fabio in this movie? Because <laughs> they're German. Wasn't Fabio German? Is Fabio really a terrorist? <laughs> Where was Fabio from? Uh, who is he? Uh, from Germany. Europe. Uh, <laughs> he, he looks like a terrorist to me. The way you say that. Europe. Uh, oh, he's Italian. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's in Europe, oh. isn't it? <laughs> Not, not being... like they never did anything bad. Exactly, Mussolini. This is where uh, Carl, the brother, is all like, oh, he killed my brother. Um, that's not how <laughs> That's your German accent? <laughs> oh, oh he killed my brother. Killed the rock. <laughs> <laughs> killed my brother, yeah? Uh, is that better? Oh, hidey hole there, Carl. <laughs> this is your dead think? brother, Tony, here. <laughs> I'm very German. No, he's Irish. What's going on? <laughs> oh, to be sure, me Irish, me German accent's gone down this way. This episode is just full of racial stereotypes. Yeah, the Hispanics are all housekeepers. <laughs> Let's offend the Irish now while we're at it. Oh, why, why not? Quality, does Um... <laughs> Can I just, this is a completely off-base story here, but Jamie always reminds me of this. Uh, years ago, I, I was uh, doing work for um, a customer uh, in my original hometown of LaSalle, Manitoba, and uh, it was a really difficult customer, and eventually, like, these people end up loving me so much so that they sent, like, home all this, this stuff for me, all these gifts, and, like, they were ready to kick me out of the house in the beginning, and... Uh, they, they had like very heavy, I don't know if it was Scottish or Irish, but one of those very heavy accent. And, um, I told this to Jamie. I'm like, oh yeah, this really nice, like Irish or Scottish couple or whatever in LaSalle. And then a couple of days later, she was at her job and these customers called in about something else. Like we're not, we weren't even working in the same company. This was like a completely separate issue. And she just heard this heavy accent and saw LaSalle and goes, you know, my husband was in LaSalle, you know, did you ever, and then they're like, Oh, Colin, he was a fine lad. <laughs> she always says that to this day. Whenever she hears my name, she'll go, Colin, he was a fine lad. <laughs> well, you are. That's true. Um, you know. I was just going to say on my gravestone, Colin, he was a fine lad, please. <laughs> Mine's going to say, Ben, he told you he was sick. <laughs> um. Racist. <laughs> Racist with an arrow pointing down. That's what's on your gravestone. <laughs> Deserved it. <laughs> Racist. Pervert. <laughs> Pedophile. <laughs> Probably, well, sexist. Probably homophobic. Uh, <laughs> Australian. <laughs> Let's just sum it up. Australian. <laughs> Likes die another day. Oh. There you go. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> They're chatting down there, and uh, Holly and that meet uh, our pal, and 
They have a nice little hug as well. And through all of this, one of the terrorists have survived. He gets his gun and he gets ready to shoot everyone. And our pal shoots him with his gun. Oh, yay. Redemption for our pal. <laughs> he now has a 50% success ratio in shooting suspects. And, and then later on you realize that this um, henchman was actually under the age of 18. So Yeah, uh, that was actually a kid with a toy gun. <laughs> <laughs> Germans just look a lot older. Than they do. Uh, I do love the way Argyle like comes driving out of the gate, and then like Al Pass kind of goes, "Gun!" Like, what is this? How come nobody? What, what are the cops doing in 2018? This limo is getting shot at as it drives out after a terrorist attack, and all John McClane is like, "No, no, 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 he's with me." This one's, a- and he only tells Owl, uh, Owl. Yeah. Why do you keep calling Owl? <laughs> exactly. But like, he basically whispers him, "No, no, this one's with me." As if Owl is the only person person on the entire Los Angeles police force and the FBI who's thinking I gotta pull a trigger. I think he's telling him because he knows Al's a little bit trigger happy. He has a history <laughs> with these things. Careful, Everybody else is smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kid driving a car! Don't do it to you. <laughs> well the third one I remember is Hans Gruber's brother, isn't it? Jeremy Irons yeah. is uh you know, uh Scar and Alfred and Yeah. And then the fourth one's a hacker. Yeah, and then the fifth one is Jai Courtney. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the real man the, who died hard. <laughs> the biggest villain Die Hard has ever seen. <laughs> hey, yeah, Jai Courtney. <laughs> John McClane has faced the Gruber brothers. <laughs> now he faces He's... his biggest test, an Australian actor that no one gives a shit about, that keeps <laughs> trying to make it famous, but no one cares. <laughs> the greatest nemesis John McClane has ever faced. The lack of charisma of Jai Courtney. <laughs> He's kind of like a Hemsworth, but not. <laughs> He's from the same country as Hugh Jackman, but who gives a shit? Because <laughs> he's Jai Courtney. No one <laughs> likes him, not even his own mother. Uh- <laughs> Can we just... Can we get the next Jai Courtney movie? And you know how sometimes these movies will have, like, from the man who brought you. And can we just have it be, from the man who killed Terminator and Die Hard. <laughs> Comes. Killed- <laughs> Starring in the new Marvel movie. Because now, finally, <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe is about to die. Because Jai <laughs> Courtney is in it. <laughs> Maybe that's maybe that's secretly what they do. Like these filmmakers, they they didn't want to make another Die Hard. Bruce Willis didn't want to be in it. None of them wanted to be in it. So they've just gone. I know how we can get out of this for a sixth one. Cast Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney. <laughs> just like you know, go, hey guys, at 20th Century Fox, I know who should play my son, Jai Courtney. <laughs> and all the guys, 20th Century Fox. Wait a minute, you're right. <laughs> Bruce Willis was contracted for six more Die Hard movies. He's like, oh, I can't be doing this much longer. How am I going to get out of this? Tell them you really want Jai Courtney as your time. I'll only do it if Jai Courtney's my son. <laughs> See, and somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger just has brain lapses because he did want to do Terminator 5, but now he's coming back for number six. Can we get Jai Courtney again? We've already tried that, Arnold. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. 
You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. 